it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. Thanks for tuning in to the Business Beauty Network podcast, where business meets beauty. Become a community member today. We have a BBN community where you can support the podcast and get access to subscriber-only content, swag, community events, and so much more. You can check the link in our show notes or visit businessbeautynetwork.com to find out how to become a BBN community member. Hey, hey, welcome to the podcast. It's a new day, a new week, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. Happy Monday. I'm super, super excited to bring a new episode to you. But before we get into today's episode, make sure that you are subscribed to the Business Beauty Network podcast wherever you're listening. And also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts that helps people to find us. And don't forget to share it. Sharing is caring. Share this podcast with anyone who you think would benefit from this awesome content. We are also on YouTube. You can follow our YouTube channel and subscribe there at Biz Beauty Network. Now that all of that is out of the way, I have an awesome interview in store for you. And I actually um, met our guest. Uh, I think it was like right before the holidays at an event, but I met her and um, we had a lot in common. We've had a few conversations and I really enjoyed this interview today. I think you guys are going to gain a lot from Lindsay. She has an awesome community, so make sure you check her out. I will have all of her information in the show notes. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Let me know what you think. You can actually uh, tag us on Instagram. Follow me at I am Brandy Taylor. Follow Lindsay as well. I will have all of the information about her business in the show notes, and you can connect with her there. But let's get into Lindsay's bio. In 2007, Lindsay Smith started her journey as a hairstylist and makeup artist. While navigating the process of entrepreneurship, Lindsay began offering coaching services and hosting networking events and workshops in 2013. Through the process, she learned so much from the artist she was coaching. This led to the idea of launching a platform designed specifically for designed specifically for the entrepreneur and the beauty barber industry, providing a space for all members to contribute, ask for support, learn from one another, and easily network. Commonwealth is a collective of like-minded beauty and barber entrepreneurs. While the service offered may be different, the business requirements to be successful are the same and networking opportunities are abundant. Lindsay appreciates the hard work that goes into successfully building a business. Her passion for networking and education creates a truly collaborative approach to support each other through community. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Lindsay Smith. Welcome, Lindsay. How are you today? Hi, Brandy. I'm doing great. How are you? I am awesome. I'm super, super excited to have you on. Lindsay, I got to tell you something funny before we get started. Girl, I was reading your bio and it was like, 
I was like, man, we we still do not realize how much we have in common. Like, I graduated from beauty school 2007. I was seeing you started in 2007 in here, makeup artistry. I was a makeup artist and esthetician. So I was like, oh my gosh. Yes, I love that because every single time we've talked, we've found like more little similarities. So that's phenomenal. I love it. Yes, yes. But um, I before we learn about you and all the awesome things you're doing in your business, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Ooh, uh, something about me. I would say one of the more interesting things about me, I actually built out a Ford Transit van and traveled full time. My partner, Brett, and I in 2020 decided that that was something we both wanted to experience. And so he is a contractor, a woodworker. We had just an empty shell of a van, and together we went through the process of uh, building it out and then traveling mm-hmm. full-time. And then I continued to travel on my own full-time for a few months uh, leading up to hosting our summit in July of 2022. So that's definitely something I think people would not expect to learn about me, but I absolutely love that nomad life. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. So you guys built this vehicle and actually drove it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I drove it plenty of times. Driving solo was always a bit of a, an adventure. Um, but it was a, it was a high top Ford transit, 2020 Ford transit van extended cab. So it was huge. It was a massive vehicle. Um, and yeah, we, we lived out of it and drove it all across the country. It was amazing. Wow. That seems interesting. I don't know if I could do that, but it just seems interesting. I'm pretty sure seeing the world from that view and traveling everywhere, quite interesting. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. I love the experience. It was definitely not for the faint of heart. I think uh, some of the challenges we overcame and then I overcame individually on my own um, were a bit more than I had signed up for. <laughs> we sold the van in September of last year. So it was, it served its purpose and it's no longer a part of our life, but I, I loved the opportunity and the experience overall. And I, I would definitely say to anyone who's ever been curious about traveling full-time to give it a try because it's, it's, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. Yeah. Like I want to travel full-time, but you know, I don't want to drive. <laughs> yes. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> but I love, I do uh, like that idea. And I'm like open to the possibilities. I'll never say never because you never know, you know, sure. where life will take you. But that's definitely interesting. So thanks for sharing, Lizzie. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, surprised to hear that myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely something that um, someone would not expect meeting me as a beauty entrepreneur, as somebody who um, definitely loves a great spa day. Uh, living in a van can can definitely be a, a part of me that people kind of get thrown for a loop with. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you know how to make yourself look good. <laughs> in, <laughs> right? in any setting, yes. In, in any, any setting, right? I love that. I love that. Well, Lizzie, getting to the beauty industry, like tell us your beauty story. How did you get into this industry? Sure. Um, I went to a very small Paul Mitchell school in 2007, graduated in 2008. um, And I recognized from a very early age that I wanted a career that gave me fulfillment, um, excitement, something that I looked forward to showing up for every day. I had an aunt who was a hairstylist. Um, Even from a very young age, she used to put my hair in curlers. Um, She was always, she was just that that like epitome of happy, especially within her career path. Her fulfillment was very high. And I just always wanted that. I always strive for that myself. 
Um, and actually in high school, I didn't see myself stepping into the beauty industry. I actually did um, uh, like a co-op program where I was able to work at an insurance agency for uh, high school credits. And so I went through that process and I worked at this insurance agency and I was on the track to go to, to college for, for business. I actually did um, attend community college for business. And in that process, one of my jobs at the agency was to do intake for people who came in looking for insurance. We offered commercial and liability as well. And this woman came in and she had this glow and this happiness. She was a new hairstylist. She had just gotten a job and she needed liability insurance. And she reminded me so much of my aunt. I, I remember that day very clearly. Um, at lunch, I took my lunch break and I went to the Paul Mitchell school that I later attended and I enrolled and quit my job two weeks later. So it was that kind of awareness of recognizing that I longed for that passion and that excitement that I saw in my aunt. And then this woman came in and she reminded me of that enthusiasm. And I definitely didn't feel that way at the insurance agency, unfortunately. So that was just my wake up call. It was my reminder that that was, that was the, the, purpose I saw for myself. And I had gotten a little distracted with the idea of, you know, corporate America and, and what is a stable job. Um, and yeah, I, I, I haven't looked back since. It's definitely been um, the path for me, the career path for me. I love the beauty industry. Wow. That is so interesting how you met that person on the job and it just reminded you of what you love. And was it that the happiness that you saw in her, what was it that made you like, okay, I, I need to pursue this. Let me go check this out and look into him further. Like, what was it about her? Yeah, her energy. I mean, she she was young. I mean, it's funny because at the time, I think I was probably 19 at the most. And so she couldn't have been much older than me, maybe 22, 23. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, I don't feel this way. Like there's not in, in my job and even in my my college pursuits, I was not feeling lit up at all about the direction that I was taking my career. I just wanted, at the time, I wanted stability. I wanted a job that would give me, you know, two paid weeks off a year and health insurance. And that was what I was looking for. I wanted a salary. My dad was an entrepreneur. And I saw him struggle with a lot of the entrepreneurship traits that come into being successful. And I did not want to go down that same path. And life is so funny because sure enough, <laughs> I followed very closely in his, in his footsteps. It just took me a little a little detour to get there, for sure. Yeah, so let's talk about your journey in this industry because you've been in the beauty industry for quite a while. You started off, like you said, as a hairstylist and a makeup artist. Like, Kind of tell us like what it was like. I know you started young. You went to beauty school, but after school, getting out on your own, how did you build? Like, Take us back there. Sure. Um, I actually moved to Chicago the week I graduated. So I went to school in Michigan where I grew up. Um, and I knew as soon as I was getting close to the end of my hours, I was I was checking out apartment listings on Craigslist to move to Chicago. I was out of here. I wanted to be in a big city. Um, and at the time, I really thought Chicago would be a landing pad for me. I would be there for maybe a few years. And I always saw myself moving out west. So California was was top on my list at the time. Um, and when I got out to Chicago, I, I didn't have a job. I didn't know anyone. I didn't have a clientele, obviously. So I first and foremost started putting out my resume. I remember walking through um, some of the neighborhoods in Chicago that I wanted to work in and, and checking out all the storefront windows and looking at all the salons. I mean, there's so many. Um, and there was this, this one day I had walked by in my own neighborhood where I lived, the salon, 
And inside I saw two dogs and everyone was laughing. And I remember thinking that's, that's the salon I want to be at. And I was, I was in a workout. I think I was going for a run. And so I was sweaty and there's no chance I was going to walk into that salon looking the way that I did. But I grabbed my resume. I came back um, and, and practically begged for a job at that salon. And thankfully, um, an assistant had transitioned into becoming a stylist and they did have some opportunity for me to fold towels and sweep. And I volunteered happily. And shortly after, two months in, I was able to secure a chair because a stylist left. So the timing was just incredible. It was a four-chair salon, so the opportunities to become a stylist in that space were very slim. Um, And I just happened to have the right time. So I built my clientele really quickly. I was a very young – I wasn't even 21. I was 20 years old. And so I remember – you know, late nights and weekends and all the hustle that comes with building a clientele at an early stage. But um, it was really, it it, it just changed the trajectory of my entire career because I was able to secure a chair so quickly and I didn't have to go through a traditional assistant program. Wow. You know what, Lindsay, you are an action taker. Like, so Two weeks after you saw that girl at your old job, you went to beauty school. Like, you were out of there, okay? Same day. Same day I signed up. You signed up the same day. Signed up the same day. Within two weeks, you were out of the job, right? Yeah. So you signed up the same day, left that job in two weeks. And then after you graduated, you went moved to Chicago. I mean, you were like 20. Like, who does? Same week. Yeah, same week. I got my, I I remember going in, I still carry my Michigan license. And I remember going in, passing my exam and I'm packing up my car and I was out. So I'm, I definitely, to a fault, I'm an action taker. I definitely don't hesitate. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Oof. Um, Good question. I do think I have some natural grit. I think um, being raised by an entrepreneur, a blue collar entrepreneur, I think I was I was taught to have perseverance and taught to see things through in a way that um, has served me so well in my life, both personally and professionally. Um, but it's also sometimes it's it's at a fault, I will say. So it's been something I've worked on a lot personally to sometimes take that pause and really think about my next step as opposed to just always moving forward. Um, I think in my 20s, I was running a bit. I think for a while there was a lot of I, I just I didn't want to face any of the things that I had overcome or any challenges I saw. Um, and so I just I took off running and I didn't stop. <laughs> for quite a while. So it took a lot of my own kind of personal journey. And as I got into my late 20s and then into my 30s, I started doing some more work around my own healing and my own health, my well-being, my mental well-being, and recognizing this pattern of action, action, action. And sometimes that action is an escape. So I've gotten a lot better at kind of assessing, like, where do I need to be decisive and take that action? And where do I need to pause and take a step back and let things settle on their own? So it's, it's a you know, we're always learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's this thing called life. We're on this journey and we learn and we grow. And, but I'm pretty sure though, that the fact that you took action, sometimes, you know, taking fast action, you, you, you know, you fall fast, you get back up you take some more action. And I find sometimes those people are the people who really are the movers and the shakers, the most successful are the action takers. So that's why I noticed that trait when you, you know, like, wow, you know, like you were just at it. But you <laughs> back, to, back to how you built your career, you were saying like, you know, 
you got you went into that salon, you you took whatever job they would give you, volunteering, sweeping, and yep. then eventually in a couple months you had your own chair. Now you built up really quickly. So kind of talk about that because you we may have some people out there who are just building or who are struggling to build. And I just want to hear how you know you were able to do that so quickly. Okay, so I took action. Uh, once again, I had opportunities present themselves, and I was always the person that said yes. I actually remember in beauty school, uh, one of our learning leaders in the school that I went to had really emphasized the importance of saying yes to every opportunity. Now, at this stage in my life, I'm 34, and like I said, I've learned to be decisive. I used to say yes to every opportunity, whether it burnt me out or not, whether I was ready for it or not, whether anything, I said yes. And so at that stage in my life, being 20, hustling, really wanting to, to be successful and make a name for myself, it served me well in that season. But today, you know, the things that I said yes to back then, I would definitely not advise. Um, I remember some really wild late night photo shoots that I signed up for. I remember, I just remember a lot of things that I'm like, my goodness, girl, like, <laughs> again, you don't always have to say yes. But at the time, there was one really specific thing that helped me build really quickly. There was um, a very small product line at the time that was just expanding into boutique salons. So this space that I was working out of was a four-chair, very small salon in Chicago. And like I said, it had that, that edge. There were two dogs, the owner's dogs, who were there with us every day. Um, we served PBR. We were very kind of like hipster before hipster was cool. So that was something I think this, this brand was really attracted to as they wanted to expand into the Midwest market. So this brand is now known as Diva Curl. Um, and again, at the time, it was a tiny, tiny brand. And they had come out and shot an, an, a commercial in our space. They had used our space um, to do some promo marketing and left us this gift basket full of products. And I remember as the new B, the new artist, uh, some of the seasoned artists were like, nah, that's not for me. You know, give them to Lindsay. She can use those products. So I remember using these products and the, the biggest differential at the time was that no poo, one of the, the shampoos, the cleansers, um, did not lather. And I remember using it and it was a very, um, strange consistency compared to some of the other cleansers. And I was so curious. I remember going on their website and finding that they had an academy. They offered education. And I came to my boss and said I wanted to go to New York and, and learn from them to really understand texture hair. If you're watching this as a video, you can see I have very straight hair. I have not a lot of texture naturally. And so I wanted to learn. I wanted to, you know, be uh, well equipped for anyone who came into my chair. Chicago is an incredibly diverse city. And I really wanted to hone into servicing anyone that came in without any sort of um, hesitancy or lack of, of confidence. So I remember wanting to go out to New York. And finally, my boss at the time said, OK, I'll pay for half. He paid for half of the cost of my tuition to go. Um, and it changed my entire career. I later became an educator for Diva Curl. Um, I worked very closely with that brand for, for a long time. And that saying yes to that opportunity, um, I built my clientele within six months. So. Again, it was a wild, wild opportunity, but by taking that action, it really served me. And it looks like you were, you looked for it. Like you, you went and you did your research, went on their website and you saw the opportunity that they offered this. But I love that. I think that's what it takes. Like when people say like, what does it take to build and everything and I, I always say, like, when you're building and you need to 10x everything, you need to get out there, take the action, you know, don't be afraid of what, 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 what's the worst that could happen? They'll say no. 
So yes. what? Next. Yep. You know, and the, the fast, I want you to tell me, you know, because the faster I get to know, the, you know, the faster I can move on from that. I don't have to like kind of worry is, you know, be in limbo, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? I know yeah. I can get on and move on to the next thing. And I just love that, like how you kind of create your own opportunities. And I think as the industry is shifting now, you know, it has shifted since 2020. You know, it's 2023 and a lot of things have changed. Um, and I want to kind of try, I want you to chime in on like some of the changes that I've been seeing as well, like with people in suites really, really struggling. You know, I, I've been talking to a lot of people that are struggling to stay afloat. They're struggling to, to, to keep their clientele and, you know, maintain their clientele and all these things and build where they can sustain their business and everything in the beauty industry and, um, since, you know, uh, 2020. So I kind of want to talk about, um, you started many years ago, but I know things are different. What do you think it takes now when you're starting out to really build your business in the beauty industry to really get your brand out there? Like, what do you think it takes now? So I think things have changed quite a bit, but I actually think some of those core principles will never change. And I do feel that that um, that tenacity, that like um, following, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I just followed my instinct on things and there were just opportunities that I just, in the back of my, hind, my head, there was a voice that said, go this way. And the more I listened to that, the more success I found. And I think sometimes what, what happens, we're in a, we're in a, an, a season of uncertainty right now where it's, it's February, March of 2023, as we're recording. And I think in this season, a lot has changed. We're starting to see a lot of the aftermath effects from the pandemic. And I mean, I just got chills saying that out loud because it's, it's scary. It can be scary. But I think the one thing that will separate the people who can kind of push through this season and move into whatever comes next are the people who can kind of weather the storm and trust that by taking care of themselves and following that intuition and trusting that they're on the right path, those are the people that are going to come through. What I see happening a lot, and you mentioned sweets, so I want to talk about sweets specifically. But what I see happening a lot is in this uncertainty, in this kind of season, people are jumping ship. There's a, there's a fear. And so then in that fear, the, the scarcity in our minds kicks in and the panic of like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And I'm not even excluding myself. I, I, I've felt this immensely in the last year or so. And there is just so much to be said about weathering the storm and trusting that you're being led on the path that you're meant to be on and, and just standing still. Sometimes one of my biggest lessons has been to do less in a moment of uncertainty, if I'm feeling panic or I'm feeling scarcity, I do less, which is so against my nature. Like we've talked about in this episode so far, I'm an action taker. So if I see a problem, I want to solve it and I want to solve it quickly. But that has become a, a big muscle for me to, to learn how to train and trust that sometimes by doing less, I can sit in quiet and in that quiet, clarity will come through and then I will make the right decision instead of just making any decision I can to try to solve the problem. Hmm. I love that, Lindsay. Be still. Be still. Be Do, still. Less. Do less. Do less. And you know, um, my pastor used to say, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Don't do anything. And that's the same thing. You just need to be still. I love that. I love that. I think that is some great advice. And sometimes instead of just making fast decisions and jumping ship, you do need to be still. You can get clear on, you know, what's the next move. And since we are on the topic of sweets, I know you love uh, talking about like collaborations and things like that. So can you kind of share with us 
some ways that you feel like sweet owners could use collaborating to help if they're struggling in their business and then, you know, kind of go into what you've done. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest pieces of being a solopreneur is that that loneliness, that isolation that can kick in, especially in seasons of, of uncertainty. So one of the things that that we have really honed in, and I'll talk about who we are in a few minutes, but uh, one of the things we've recognized is that by kind of gathering the solopreneurs in a collective way and, and, and sharing resources or best practices or um, even problems, like coming up together and saying like, I am really struggling with X and so-and-so is really struggling with why, how can we share our resources so that we can figure out solutions for both of our problems? That has been something that I needed in my business. So I later in my career, I worked at that, that small commission salon for about four years. And in 2012, I became independent. And in that transition, it was a wake-up call. I, I recognized very quickly that I no longer had the community and the support that I had in the small salon that I was in. And I was very fortunate in those four years to have a very close-knit salon team. So we were always attending education together. We were always supporting each other. We would make vision boards together. I mean, we were just very, very close-knit. And so when I became independent, it was like, a jolt to my system. You know, I was so shocked to recognize like I had no one that I could have that with on a daily basis. So I started seeking that out. I became really, really focused on networking and building relationships. And at the time, things have changed a lot. But in 2012, I really couldn't find collaborative independent artists who wanted to network with me. There was still a big sense of competition. Mm -hmm. And so I would be, I would be met with this kind of uncomfortability if I would even reach out when I would reach out, I would get kind of a weird, like, no girl, like you do your thing. I'll do my yeah, thing. Yeah, you yeah we're on our own over here. So right. I remember kind of feeling just so isolated, so alone. And that took a lot of my own. So that's where the action came in for me. I had two choices. I could I could feel isolated and sit and do nothing about it, or I could create meetups and I could continue to kind of invite people, even though most of the people I would reach out to would tell me no. But by putting that initiative in and taking action, that led to later launching Independent Beauty Pros, which is now Commonwealth Collective. So there are people like me, who recognized even back then in 2012, 2014, 2016, as I started building this community, that the power comes from relationship building and connections and networking. And once you put those relationships into place, you'll be shocked at what doors and what opportunities open. You know, that segues right into, you know, the next question, because you mentioned your business and the Commonwealth Collective, which was the independent beauty pros, right? Yes. And, uh, so kind of tell us like about uh, your company and, you know, what do you do with your company, with the net? Sure. So formerly Independent Beauty Pros, we were focused around the solopreneur, right? The sweet renter, the freelancer, the chair rental, um, because that was my, that was me. I was an independent beauty pro. So I built this brand around my pain points, what I saw lacking in our industry, which was truly networking. What I noticed really quickly was that in other corporate industries, the opportunity for networking was very available, very prevalent, and people within that corporate structure really understood the importance of networking. So realtors would have meetups regularly and network with other realtors and attorneys would have meetups and network with other attorneys. And I kept looking around for that within our industry and we just didn't have that. And I remember even at that stage thinking, you know, how silly that the only way I can meet other beauty pros is by going to a class or a trade show. And then really what are the connections that I'm leaving with? Am I actually making any connections or is it just sort of 
smiles and and handshakes and passing business cards, but nobody's really taking the initiative to build relationships within those those networks. So in that span of time between about 2014 and 2018, I started hosting meetups. I would do um, kind of meetup events with a speaker. I would bring in, I was a part of a women's networking group. And within that group, we had a lot of uh, resources. We had an attorney, we had a, a CPA, we had um, a personal stylist who could work with your wardrobe and, and branding photography. And so by bringing in these experts, I could host these events with a uh, a topic or a theme, and it would attract more entrepreneurs in the beauty barber space who were looking to grow because obviously those topics were really top of mind for them. So by hosting these small scale events over the course of five years or so, I started to see there really is a need for this. Like if more people mm -hmm. had opportunities like this, they would want to attend. They'd want to be in, in the know of what's going on. And so in 2019, 2018, 2019, I started working with a client of mine who is still my developer today. Her name is Jules. She's phenomenal. Um, but she and I started building out what was Independent Beauty Pros. And I was explaining to her at some point that I wanted something similar to LinkedIn, where you could create a profile, you could match with other people that are similar to you, whether it was by category or by location, or you could find a coach, an educator, an expert, but it was all connected to the beauty barber industry. Whereas with LinkedIn or Facebook or even Instagram, you're searching through, right? You're, you're kind of separating and organizing maybe your cousins or your family or your clients or whatever that is. And this space is just for us as professionals. This episode is sponsored by Sterling Hair Solutions. Attention salon owners and hairstylists. The Sterling dryer is the first and only dryer designed specifically for hair extensions. The Sterling dryer cuts drying time in half by leaving your hair feeling soft and renewed. It's on wheels so you can quickly move it around your salon or suite. No more hand drying or hanging hair under the hooded dryer or even putting it in the microwave to process color. This dryer will dry your extensions evenly, it holds multiple bundles, and it has a color processing tray. It also sanitizes the extensions. You can learn more about the Sterling Dryer at SterlingHairSolutions.com. That's SterlingHairSolutions.com. More information will be in the show notes. But you know what I love about you making something for professionals? is that I remember how lonely it was not really having somebody that I felt like understood me. What I mean is when you're in the beauty industry, there's a certain things that only beauty people get, right? Yep. And I remember back, you know, in uh, 2008, 2009, I was just like you reaching out and people like, girl, you do you and I do me type of thing. Nobody really wanted to give me any advice or connect. And it was kind of strange when I tried to do that. And it wasn't much at that time, like you said, for us to connect. And that made, you know, everybody, so everybody was kind of like separated. So I always felt like this industry was very kind of separate. Like everybody was, you over here, you over there. And so I love anything that brings the beauty community together and definitely provides education because that's why I do what I do ultimately. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of try and in on that because I think that is phenomenal that you saw a need in the industry created, created these events where beauty professionals can come together. So now you, I know you've shifted and you kind of changed the name. So kind of tell us about the shift a little bit and what, you know, what you're leading with now. 
Yeah, for sure. So we we built this business, this community. I built this community around my needs as an independent beauty pro. And as we've grown over the last three years, we've we've started to recognize that first and foremost, our, our points of difference are that we are completely industry inclusive. So our community is made up of manicurists, makeup artists, estheticians, barbers, hairstylists. Um, and we want it that way because the entire focus around peer-to-peer mentorship and learning from one another, it doesn't matter what service you provide. The business model, is is the same. Um, so that's a big point of difference. And in that process, we recognized last year as we were promoting and then hosting our first three-day summit in Dallas, Texas in July, that the words independent and beauty were unintentionally segregating us. Um, what we offer around business education and networking is applicable regardless your business structure. It doesn't matter if you're commission. It doesn't matter if you're hybrid or independent. These tools and these skills are necessary. So that independent word was actually turning people away from our community, which was never my intention. And I didn't recognize it until I recognized it. Um, and then the second thing is that the word beauty was also segregating some of our barbers and primarily our male demographic. So I am a female. I identify as a woman. And I recognize really quickly that by using the word beauty, I was unintentionally attracting other female beauty entrepreneurs. And our community is made up of primarily women, which was never my intention. So in that process of hosting the summit, we recognized from feedback of our attendees that this needed to change, that we were not, we, this was not the intention, but by naming ourselves independent beauty pros, we were, um, we were limiting our market. And so with our rebrand into Commonwealth Collective, Commonwealth two words. We did that really intentionally because we want to bring wealth, whatever that is, whether it's financially or wealth and freedom, wealth and creativity, wealth and time, whatever wealth means to you. We want to bring wealth to the common trade of beauty and barber. So recognizing those two words as key differentials in our industry, it's rare to see um, wealth as the norm. Unfortunately, most of our industry struggles to make their paychecks. And, mm -hmm. and that is really unfortunate. And it's something that I want to change. And also the idea that our skill set is common. It's a vocational skill set, right? So most of us are not college educated. And that is really important to, to recognize because what we're offering is that solution to bridge the gap between the areas in your business that you might not feel as confident in and the experts and the help that you can get. I love it. I love the Commonwealth. I think, yeah. And I agree with you, Lizzie, because it this is about the beauty industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. But we, if you look up what in, in most states in the mm -hmm. US, what the average hairstylist makes, yep. it's very low. You yes. know, it's like in that under fifty thousand dollars. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And if so, and, and, and there's no reason for that with everything that we know about the industry and the value that is provided by the beauty industry, yeah, you know, it absolutely. should be a wealthy industry. So um, I want to kind of talk like, 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 what are some ways that this industry can start to create, you know, make wealth more common in our industry? What are some things that you feel like some shifts that can be made in this industry so that wealth can be more common? Sure. I think the first thing is identifying what wealth means. And in my opinion, that is an 
independent decision. So wealth for you is not necessarily wealth for me. And that's something that I think is, is the most important thing to talk about. So I see a lot on social media around, um, I'm going to use hairstylists as an example, but I see a lot of um, six-figure artists. That's the goal. You get to six mm-hmm. figures, you've really made it, right? That, that def- defines success in some capacity. And as a multi-six-figure stylist, I recognize that that did come with a level of influence where I then recognized, okay, I can coach, I can teach because I've hit this numerical value that shows that I am I am able to, to coach. I'm able to give my experience to someone else. However, I was really unhappy in that season of my life. So yes, in, in my bank account, you may have seen the success or the quote unquote wealth that I was accumulating, but personally, I was really struggling. I was burnt out. I was overworked. I was still saying yes to things that I probably should have said no to. Um, and it cost me a lot personally. So in that season of my life, I went through a divorce. I I really had to start assessing. That's when you and I were talking earlier on this episode. I had to really start putting into some practice around, you know, my own healing, my own spiritual and mental well-being and recognizing that I was, I had gotten off track somewhere. But on paper, I was wealthy. I was successful. And, and it just, it was such an interesting point for me in my life to see like, what is, what is success? Like, what does that mean? And it's not, it's not what it means to other people. It's like an internal reflection of like, what does success mean for me? What does wealth mean for me? And so for me, my definition of wealth comes from freedom. I mean, I traveled in a van full time. So I love the freedom that comes from the resource of money, but money and wealth is not connected to my personal happiness. I want the freedom. So I think that's the biggest thing is in our industry, we really need to each individually decide like what is success? What is wealth? And it's not what we see on social media. It's not what we are taught we need to strive for. It's an internal choice. So by defining that for yourself, then you can be really intentional about your career path. So you can make choices that are more aligned with your definition of wealth and success. So for me, freedom is number one. I want to have variety. I want to have creativity. I want to be able to host events in different cities. That is my definition of success. And then the the money follows. Yes, I I love that because I remember there was a time where, okay, we'll say when I start, when I turned 30, you know, when you're 20, you think 30 is old. So I had all of these things that should be done by 30. 30 before 30. I had a list myself. Right. Everything. Right. So marry all these things. So I was married before 30, but a lot of the milestones that I thought I would have hit, I hadn't hit just yet. And I really had a complete nervous breakdown when I turned 30. Like I partied up with my friends and came home and cried. (laughs) You know, like, like everything was great. And then I sat down, I got home and I sat out. I remember, and I was like, I'm 30. And I don't have X, Y, and Z, you know, all these, you know, um, things checked off on this list that I had. And I had to think to myself, I said, who created the list? Like who, who created these rules? Who said that life was over if I didn't have all of these things by 30? Like, where did I get that from? And I really had to think about that. And I was like, okay, I think I got it from my peers, you you know, people you talk to and other people and other influences that you think that it has to be a certain way. And it caused me to like have a breakdown. But once I really looked at it and I saw that, 
you know, I'm not defined by these things. I'm not defined by all of that. You know, that doesn't define me. And I still can, I still have plenty of life to live. And long as I'm breathing, I can do things. I can, you know, create different things. And I, I, I wanted to go there because I feel like, especially in this industry, I talk to so many beauty professionals that they won't show up if they can't show up like what they see out there, right? You know, like, so if, if, if I if my website doesn't look exactly like hers or if my post or, you know, all of this is exactly like that or everything is super perfect, then I can't show up. And I love that, you know, you you said like you you have to define it for yourself and really be true to you and define what you what you um, deem is as wealthy what you deem as successful right that's what what is success for you what is wealthy for you not what everybody else not what your mother's expectations what the media says what you see on so, social media any of that is what do you want for your life and so i just want to give people permission to to make that decision to ask for what you want and to get clear on it and to demand it right everything that you do and you know and i think if we could start doing that and living that way things would be much better if we really because i you know i had at one point let's see i had to think like what do you really want <laughs> you know oh, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah me too i mean and i think 30 is one of those milestones in life where we we really do kind of start to assess like okay, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not in my 20s anymore. And so the decisions that I'm making are inevitably going to change as I've grown and I've matured a bit. But it it does take that reflection of recognizing like success is so um, vast. It's so, it's, it's so abundant. And I really think that's, that goes against what we're taught. We, we really are conditioned to believe in scarcity or in some sort of idea of like not enough. And I think in our industry, that is a big pain point because, um, that com- that competition aspect plays a part, right? So even in school, I mean, we're taught to be a bit wary of our competitors and mm-hmm. that belief system is conditioned inside of us. And so we go about our lives believing these things that we have never really um, weighed out and decided like, do I believe this myself or did someone tell me to believe this? And that is the biggest thing. I, I think if I, if anyone listening is kind of in that flux of what's next or what am I doing, really look at your beliefs, like truly look at them all. And this is an internal job. So this is not something you have to talk about. It's not something you have to discuss with, with other people on social media, but really start looking at, okay, I believe, you know, wealth is, uncomfortable. I actually, I, even when we were rebranding, when we were in the early stages of brainstorming, I was really hesitant to use the word wealth. A part of me felt like, oh, I don't, I'm not, we're not a money company. We don't, we're, we're not focused around money. I was raised in a very religious household and I was, I was taught that wealth comes with some negative consequences and that you have to be very careful with wealth and you have to be very careful with money. And so I had to work really hard to retrain my own beliefs around what money and wealth looks like for myself. And that word, the reason I decided ultimately to go with common wealth is because 
I want it to be uncomfortable. I want to start shifting that conversation. And I want to have these conversations as early as possible so that our industry from a very early point, when you're in beauty school, you start to recognize that we are a multi-billion dollar industry, that there is absolutely no reason why you cannot achieve financial wealth should that be your desire. But there's also wealth in opportunities. There's wealth in, in, in creativity. There's wealth in directions. I mean, I'm no longer behind the chair. I'm, I'm working full time in Commonwealth Collective. And now we're launching an app and we're stepping into tech and, and app development. And it's been such a wild three years for me, but this is all coming from a place of recognizing my wealth and my success lives in freedom and creativity and being a, an ally and a supporter to others in our industry and, and lifting other people up. And so when I got really clear on that definition for myself, it became easy to start making shifts and changes in what was happening around me, my circumstances. Now, what do you think has been the hardest part on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Like, you know, what would you say has been the hardest part? That is a tough question. There have been many hard parts. Um, I would say for me, it's been imposter syndrome, which I think that that phrase has has flown around a lot lately. But I truly, I have struggled every step of the way with overcoming my own self-doubt. It's definitely been something that has held me back, which I know when you hear me talk about my story, it sounds like I take a lot of action and I do, but there is an internal dialogue that I've had to work really hard on that that tells me not to do that, not to take the action, not to put myself in the room, not to um, put out opportunities that I'm you know, worried someone might not be comfortable with or reject. But the thing is, like you said earlier, I'd rather be told no quickly. I, I can't tell you, I'm, I'm now in a role with Commonwealth Collective, where I'm pitching to investors, I'm pitching to brand sponsors, I'm, I'm putting these asks out that are bigger than anything I could have wrapped my head around a few years ago. And in that process, I want that no as fast as possible because I want to move on and I want to be able to get the clarity that I need from that conversation to go into the next conversation even a bit better, waiting for that yes. So I think that's something that we shy away from a fear of failure. We shy away from rejection. You know, it's human tendency. We just, we don't want to put ourselves in that situation. Why would we? It's, it's painful. But at the end of the day, that's how we move that needle forward. And I think that's something that if we all go into something with that attitude within our industry, it's inevitable that our industry will change. There's, there's just no way it can't, because if we're all showing up in that way of this is what it means to me, this is success, this is wealth, this is what I'm going to do, and then doing it. I mean, the examples that we set for younger generations, it's just inevitable that change will happen. Yeah, definitely. And I encourage, you know, that for sure. Like, you know, it's it's time for that, <laughs> you know, it it's is. definitely time for that. And um, so what are you excited about right now? Like, what are you uh, excited about? I know you just changed up everything. Um, you're making some shifts. You're doing some great things. Like, what's what's have what has you excited at this time? Oh, um, this has been a process. Uh, this is this this rebrand has been such a like a a long coming change, and it's so interesting because I think again I, I think back to my role as a stylist, my role as a makeup artist. 
Um, and the things that I remember feeling so, I remember airbrush makeup being something I was so oh, overwhelmed yeah. by. I was so overwhelmed. And all of my brides were requesting airbrush. And I remember taking all these classes and being like, okay, I have to figure this out. I mean, same with balayage. I remember taking all these classes about painting back when it was first, first becoming trendy. And I remember now in my role when I'm getting ready, I mean, I there's nothing unique about me other than I have grit and tenacity and I continue to say yes, even if there are obstacles to overcome. But there's no one, there's no reason why anyone who has an idea to start a platform or build an app or, or do something different or bigger, there's no reason why anyone else can't do that or fill that role. And I think what I've continuously reminded myself in the moments of imposter syndrome, self-doubt, um, even scarcity coming through is that at the end of the day, this, this obstacle, so pitching to an investor is no different than learning how to apply airbrush makeup, than learning how to paint highlights for the first time. It's something that's uncomfortable because I've never done it. And as I get better and better, that yes is inevitable. You know, I became very great at painting. I became very great at airbrush. It was, it was a regular part of my business that I probably could have done at some stage with my eyes closed. So as we put that practice into place, the the confidence builds and and those obstacles feel like tiny tiny little speed bumps so it just takes that that repetition i i truly believe and i think that's something that has helped me kind of hold strong in my role um, because we've just, we've undergone a lot of change. So in the next six months, eight months, I'm so excited to uh, launch our summits again. We hosted our first three-day summit last year. We're, we're, our attempt is to host two this year. Um, we'll see. We'll see if we get both in. Um, but one of them will be here in Metro Detroit. So whether we do one or both, one of them will be back in my home state of Michigan. And I'm so excited to hold the space here locally because we have so much much freaking talent in Michigan. We have such yeah. a great community. I'm so pleasantly surprised by how many connections I've made in the last six months. So I'm really excited to host that event in 2023 in Metro Detroit. Awesome. I'm excited about that too. I will definitely make sure I'm there for sure. It has been so great uh, having you on the podcast. We're going to be winding up, but before we do, I want to tap into something that I really realized because you touched on it a lot. And I've been talking to a lot of uh, beauty professionals and because I'm a coach and different things like that. But I, and, I, and a lot of people that I come encounter with lately are struggling, you know, like when it comes to, uh, you know, just maybe feeling depressed or whatever it may be. A lot of people are struggling and I, and, and it's hard sometimes when you're going through things and you have all these other hats, you're an entrepreneur, your mom, you're, you know, doing all the things and you're running a full-time business. And one thing I see that you've done is you've, you've been putting in the work and I've done that as well. Like I I'm very vocal about me getting therapy and having a coach and all of those things. But I want you to kind of just share a little bit about, how that has really helped you because I feel that it's very important that in order to be successful beautypreneurs that we work on ourselves and that we do the inner work first and because otherwise if every if everything in here is messy it's going to be hard to execute all these things that we're talking about so I would love for you to share that I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's something that is really um, it's the, in my opinion, the most important piece of the puzzle of success within entrepreneurship. And it's not talked about in a, a vulnerable, authentic way very often. I know people sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable sharing those parts of themselves, but for me, 
entrepreneurship has been a gateway into personal development. I think the reason I love entrepreneurship is because it forces to take an honest look at my inner qualities, my inner uh, resiliency. It forces me to be honest with myself and real with myself in a way that um, I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do had I followed a traditional corporate path. So I really am so grateful for the opportunity as an entrepreneur to come up against these obstacles because it truly tests me as a person, me as a human and my values. And I think that's something that regardless of what success I experience professionally, those skill sets can never be taken away from me. So as I've grown as a person in these last three, four years, I mean, I I won't go into all of the work I've done on myself, but I have done an immense amount of work on my own healing and my own journey. My, my dad, who I mentioned, passed away when I was only 24. And so that process, at the time, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. And so my my reaction was to shove that down and get back to work and, and stay really focused on my business because then I didn't have to think about any of the personal feelings that I was experiencing. And obviously, that doesn't work. <laughs> I think that's something we can all agree on is that when we avoid our personal well-being, our mental health, it's going to surface in other ways that are probably unintentional. So that happened a lot for me in my late 20s. I started to see that pattern happening over and over. And like I said, it at some stage, it cost me my marriage. So there was really a big a moment for me that, that was that was a eye opener, like a, an awakening almost. And I, if I could go back, I, I would maybe choose to have that awakening in a different way. Because although I'm grateful for where my life brought me post losing my father and post losing my marriage, I, I genuinely think that there were some big hurdles and hurts and obstacles that I had to overcome that I created for myself by avoiding my own well being. So. I, I love therapy. I love mentorship. We talk about it so much within our community, the importance of it. I've had a coach for the last three years. I've had multiple coaches at different seasons. So there's there's so much value that comes from taking that time to really dive into your own personal well-being. And depression is a real thing. It's real. And that feeling of helplessness and worthlessness, it's not going to go away even if we layer on you know, opportunity after opportunity and dollar sign after dollar sign, mm -hmm. it still, it still lives within us. So until we take that, that time to, to work on that, it, it comes up in different ways. So it's um, International Women's Month. What woman, you know, inspires you the most? Like when you think of someone that, that inspires you, what woman would that be for you? There's so many. I could I could go on and on about the women that have impacted my life in such an immense way. But of course, as soon as you asked that, I thought of my mother. So my mom lost my dad, right? And she has also had an immense amount of grit and tenacity in her personal life. And she, you know, I think she still sometimes struggles to understand what it is exactly that I do these days. But I know that she is who gave me that, that gift of pushing through no matter what the circumstance, no matter what you're faced with, you always have a choice to be positive. You always have a choice to find the solution. And, and I know 100% that that came from her. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think most women would say their mom is pretty high on that list, but I would definitely have to say she has been, um, somebody that I've looked up to a lot and we've had a relationship that has struggled in different seasons, but at the end of the day, I, she's my mom and I know she's always going to be there for me. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for sharing that, Lizzie. Do you want to share anything else with us before you go? Tell everybody how they can reach you. I, I'll pop your website up again. But yeah, tell, tell everybody how they can reach you and everything. Sure, absolutely. I see our website scrolling at the bottom. So our website is cwcollective.co. Um, you can also follow us on social media, Commonwealth Collective. I really think the most important thing as we continue to promote this rebrand and shift this rebrand is, is really just sharing the importance of building a network and building relationships. And we offer a solution through our community, through our membership, but really, truly relationship building is, is accessible wherever you are and whatever your budget looks like and whatever that means for you individually. So I would just strongly encourage you to get out there and start building relationships um, within your space, your community, your, your geographic location, or virtually online in whatever way feels aligned. But I would love to have you within our community at Commonwealth. Awesome. Lizzie Smith, everybody of Commonwealth Collective, as always, stay great. And we are out. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.